I hope you're in Romans 11. Um, I just am going to pray for us and then we'll uh, get into the word together this morning. Father, as always, we come to your word both with a sense of reverence and awe that you, the God of this universe, would communicate with us, lowly, mere human beings. We do so, Lord, with a sense of open-heartedness, knowing that, God, your word is active and alive um, and able to bring transformation in our lives. And so, God, this morning we want to declare to you, we are all ears. We want to hear what you've got to say to us. We want to respond to what it is that you're saying to us this morning. And so you are welcome, Holy Spirit. Would you breathe life on these words? And Lord, just help us to digest, savour and take in what it is that you have for us today. Amen. So I'm just going to read a few verses um, in, from Romans 11.33 through to chapter 12, verse 2. Um, I hope as we um, move through this sermon this morning, it will be apparent as to why I've started at this point. But it says this in verse 33. All the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God... How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things... To him be glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. Adam preached for us last week from John 10 and he reminded us that Jesus promises us as his people that we can hear his voice. Just pause and ponder that for a moment. We are able to hear and know the voice of our creator. We have a God who communicates with his people, who is not far off, who leads and guides us as our good shepherd. And last week, Adam challenged us in our intention to listen. He challenged us to consider the sources that we listen to and what is shaping us in our life. And then encouraged and exhorted us with the invitation of Jesus to follow and pursue after him that we might receive the gift of eternal life. 
And today I want to follow on from what he was sharing. Um, you can always catch up on any sermons that you've missed, either through um, the live stream record on YouTube or through our podcasting. And I would really encourage you um, to do that. But today what I want to do is to look in a little bit more detail at the challenges that face us as we live in a world with endless cacophony of voices, narratives, noises everywhere. How does that challenge and affect our ability to listen to his one true voice? As I was writing this sermon, a very vivid picture came into my mind. For those of you who don't know, my husband Justin and I have four daughters. And when they were all still living at at home, I just have this vivid picture around the dinner table. And so just remember that's Justin and five women. And... We're all fairly chatty women. We definitely are not short of a thing to say and we like to share a story or um, two. But we like to do it all at once. And I never forget this particular evening meal and Justin's sitting at his end of the table. I look up. We're all trying to talk over the top of each other and, and tell the story of what our day has been and he's sitting at the end of the table with his hands over his ears. There was no one story or voice that was distinguishable to him. It was just all noise. So unless you live in a permanently unplugged state, the sheer amount of content, ideas and information that comes at us every single day is absolutely mind-boggling. And often there is not one voice or storyline that we are able to distinguish amongst the noise. The digital age, I'm sure I don't have to tell you, has changed everything at a very rapid rate. And with its advent has come this dramatic shift in how we as humans actually access and interact with information. Of course, the digital age is not all bad. We have some amazing opportunities um, as Christians. We are able to hear Christian thought leaders and pastors preaching from around the world. It's possible um, via the internet to access the full suite of Bible commentaries online when you used to actually have to have like rows and rows on your bookshelf um, containing them. There's an ability to join online, whoops, um, a worship service if you're having to isolate or to Zoom with friends and family. And there's an ability for us to see testimony and witness to what God is doing around the world. So it's definitely not all bad, but there is no doubt that this massive increase of readily available content makes it very hard for us to sift through it and to hear clearly. I often liken it to drinking from a fire hydrant. Just ask um, my son-in-law, Michael, what that might be like. Because basically it would be coming at you so thick and fast, other than that you probably wouldn't actually be able to stand up, um, that you barely have a chance to catch your breath or examine what you're swallowing. And that's what it's like for us. It's coming at us so thick and fast. We barely have time to catch our breath and see what it is that we're swallowing. And then you add to that the ability with just access to the internet and a laptop or a smartphone that anyone 
can influence our thinking. They can broadcast an idea, an opinion, represent themselves as an expert or garner support for their particular way of thinking. And the problem for all of us is that it can all too easily sound right if you don't know any better. Throw in a couple of big words, a few um, half-truths and a good story and For most of us, it is possible to be deceived and to swallow it hook, line and sinker. And so that leaves us wide open, at best to needless distraction, and at worst to deliberate, calculated deception. I'm sure most of you will have heard the term fake news. It's pretty familiar to most of us over the past few years. And the Australian Government E-Safety Commission actually has a definition for fake news. It has a whole web page donated to the warnings about fake news. But this is how they define it. They say it's false or misleading information, often with an underlying agenda. And they go on to warn their reader that fake news can be hard to spot and even harder to define because it is false information that has been deliberately created in such a way to make it look like a trustworthy news report. For me in my life, there is no clearer picture of these dramatic shifts in our access to information and content than the changes that have come about in my lifetime in how we manage researching school assignments. I'm 51. When I went to school and then university, the mission was to find information. I would take a trip to the library I would go to the microfiche. Does anybody know what a microfiche is? Good, excellent. For those of you who are young, it's what they used to use to catalogue the library contents before they were computers. And that trip to the library would net me maybe one or two books. If I was lucky, three or four, if it was a particularly popular topic that I was researching... Maybe I would find a couple of paragraphs in the set of encyclopedias. Anybody know what those are too? Um, And from those few sources, I would write my essay or my research paper. And it wouldn't be uncommon for some of those sources to be decades old. My four daughters range in age from 22 to 15. And their mission when researching for a school assignment has not been to find information, but rather to filter it. Each of them in the course of their schooling has spent hours upon hours sifting through online thousands and thousands of articles, websites, pages and pages of Google searches, trying to find solid information and filter out the rubbish. The advice to simply avoid Wikipedia is insufficient. They have actually needed to develop a completely different set of skills than me to access sound information. Their education has had to include learning to work out what sources are credible and trustworthy, how to quickly scan through something to see if it's worth reading, how to filter out the unhelpful, the misleading and the deliberately deceptive, and how to fact check. 
There is not any aspect of our lives that has not been impacted by this proliferation of digital content. Science, politics, medicine and healthcare, social justice, religion and spirituality, and of course, Christian faith. How on earth do we filter it all? Lies and deception are nothing new. Andrew preached a couple of weeks ago on this very thing. Mankind has always been susceptible to deception. And it would be naive of us not to recognise that we have an enemy whose very mission is to deceive us and try and rob us of truth and life. The apostles writing to the early church, wrote many of their own warnings about fake news, about false teaching, about misinformation, about lies and deception. Paul wrote to the Colossians. He wrote this, and I'm reading it from the Amplified. So Colossians 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, pseudo-intellectual babble, according to the traditions and musings of mere men, following the elementary principles of this world, rather than following the truth, the teachings of Christ. In both letters to the Thessalonians and to Timothy, Paul highlights that at the end of days we should expect an increasing amount of deception. He wrote to Timothy in his second letter to him, chapter 4, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers that suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. It sounds like a very apt description of the times that we live in. But again, let us pause and remember our starting point. We have a saviour who has promised that we can hear his voice and that he has come to give us life in abundance. Every single one of us here who knows and loves the Lord Jesus wants to hear his voice, wants to know his will. But with so much information and conflicting ideas and opinions and storylines coming at us, how do we hear his voice and walk in his truth and avoid being deceived? What we need is discernment. From a Christian perspective, at its simplest definition, discernment is the ability to decide between truth and error, between right and wrong. It is the process of making a careful distinction in our thinking about truth. And the critical thing for us as disciples of Jesus is to develop the ability to think in accordance with the will and the purposes of God. So for us, the pursuit of wisdom and discernment begins with the full acknowledgement that we are completely unable to determine right and wrong or truth and lies for ourselves. 
And that is why we started where we did in Romans 11 today. Again, just to remind you, Paul is describing and declaring the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Isaiah puts it this way, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The beginning of all wisdom and discernment is to submit ourselves to the truth that God alone determines right from wrong, truth from lies. His is the only measure. As we pursue discernment, we must also acknowledge that we, humans, are susceptible to being conformed, moulded and shaped by the world around us and we are to actively resist this. And then in order to do that, and this is all taken from Romans 12, we need to have that ongoing progressive transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit to move us towards spiritual maturity so that our minds would be renewed or completely renovated. That's what that word means, completely renovated. And then as our minds are renewed, we can then more readily test and discern what is the acceptable will and purpose of God. It sounds simple in some ways, but really there are some practical questions for us to ask ourselves if we want to live this truth out. How do we actively resist from being conformed to the world when, it's, when it comes to our consumption of information? And how do we position ourselves to not continually be polluting our minds with misinformation and fake good news and instead grow in discernment? I want to just put my encouragements to us this morning into two categories. As we look at how do we grow in discernment, how do we guard and protect our minds with the amount of information that is constantly swirling around us. And so those two categories, the first one I've called filter and test, and the second, validate. So we have to learn to filter and test everything. Paul said to Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. faith sorry. Guard the deposit entrusted to you and avoid irreverent babble. If we are bombarding our minds with everything that we can read, watch and listen to, then we are diminishing our chances of actually being able to filter out what we need to, to guard our hearts and minds from. 
And when it's coming at us that thick and fast, when we are consuming at a high rate, then it becomes even more difficult for us to monitor what is true and what is not. I guess the thing that I want us to grab hold of this morning is that genuine discernment takes space and time. And the way that information comes at us now robs us of that space and time if we don't take actions to try and mitigate that. And so the very best thing that we can do to aid our discernment process and to avoid simply conforming is to slow down our consumption and reduce the amount of content that we are looking at. I have a confession. I am a fast eater. I blame it on the years of attending to kids around the dinner table and always being in a rush, but now really I've no excuse and it's just a very terrible habit. And I am usually the first one finished at the table um, and that doesn't matter whether it's at home or at a restaurant. But you see, there's a lot of evidence to say that a discerning eater is a slow eater. The benefits of slow eating include better digestion, better hydration, easier weight loss or weight management and a greater satisfaction from our meals where we won't overeat because we give our body a chance to register that it's full. And eating slowly and chewing our food allows us to actually taste what we're eating and to enjoy the flavours. And I give you this illustration to make us think about how we're consuming information slow down so that you can actually examine, taste and digest what you're consuming with the ability to spit the bones and the gristle and the fat back out. And the other thing that I really want to encourage us this morning is we need to do this with all information. The sad reality for us when we're looking to be more discerning with our filter is that we need to be as discerning, if not more discerning, when we are accessing information that we would fit into the Christian genre. Charles Spurgeon was quoted as saying, discernment is not a matter of telling the difference between right and wrong. Rather, it is, the tell- it is telling the difference between right and almost right. Now, Spurgeon died in 1892. He was even before microfish. (laughs) With the digital age has come this explosion of so-called Christian content that sounds almost right, but is distracting and, in some cases, dangerously wrong. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul wrote this. Test all things carefully so that you can recognize what is good. Hold firmly to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Withdraw from it and keep away from it. So I want to ask you a question this morning. For us as Christians... What is our gold standard test for everything? It's not a trick question. The Bible. Scripture. Hebrews 4 says, 
For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul and of spirits, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When it comes to testing all information that we come across or has been thrown at us, the most important rule of thumb for us is are we reading our Bibles more than we are reading, listening to and consuming other media content? We are to be continually meditating upon God's word and to be familiar with his word from beginning to end. Each one of us, I'm, I'm needing to be challenged and reminded of this too. You know, we need to read scripture fully in its context and not just cherry pick out particular verses that we feel confirm our opinion. What I want to encourage us to do is to think deeply, to wrestle and to search out scripture and to put every idea on trial in the light of it. And the thing for us in a fast-paced world is this is not a quick process. In fact, it's a lifelong process. At Vision, we believe and welcome the leading and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation in our midst. And we believe that God confirms things through the prophetic, through dreams and signs and circumstances. However, this is never going to be a substitute for our regular time with him in the word. I have to say, and this isn't just, um, this is of course for the church down the road rather than here, but um, I have to say that in listening to and talking to pastors, you know, something that is really, I guess, a disturbing global trend is the increasing tendency for people to rely on their feelings, to put credibility on their personal experiences and their own self-determination of things. And the thing is, is that it sounded or felt right to me, is just on its own not going to cut it when it comes to things that have life and death at stake. If you've read it or heard it on the internet, go and find it in scripture. Test it. Have a look at it. Because God will never contradict his written word. And one of the many, many ways that we are to resist, actively resist conforming to this world is in this area of being superficial and relying upon ourselves rather than upon him. I just have one other thing in this area of testing and filtering that I just um, have really had on my heart as I've been preparing for today. So as well as this litmus test of the scripture... The other thing that is really important for us when we come to content and the amount of content that we're exposed to and when we're looking to be active 
active in our discernment process is that we actually need to ask ourselves when we're reading things, when we're looking at things, when we're listening to things, what do I know about the source? We need to test the source. Who and what are you watching, listening to and reading? Do you know anything about them? Are they planted in the body of Christ? Or are they some lone wolf out on their own? And I cannot stress this point. If you didn't hear much else today, this one. Be very wary of anyone who is out of fellowship or who is representing themselves as the sole authority on an issue. And that leads me to my second point to validate. Because to know that we're hearing and discerning correctly, we need to validate it. And for those of us who love Jesus, the way that we do that is in community. We cannot grow in discernment without each other. We can't independently work out for ourselves whether what we're reading, watching, listening to is right and wrong. Truth should always be validated in community. And when you read on in um, chapter 12 um, of Romans, you'll see that Paul goes straight from this passage we're reading into discussing this importance of community. Let me pick it up in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we are many members, and the members do not have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another." Having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. What's he saying? He's basically saying that we are the body. We are meant to function as the body. That no one person on their own is ever going to have the whole picture. That's not how God works. We will all see in part, prophesy in part. And to see the whole picture, we need to be a part of the body. And this is an area that I think is really easy for us to be conformed to the very individualistic world around us. But that's not God's way. God's way is to work in and through us in the context of his church. And it is in the context of his church that discernment is sharpened. We are to learn together. We are to be accountable together and to one another as the gathered church. The two biggest guardrails for us that help lead us into truth and protect us from deception are the word and the body. So at the risk of stating the obvious, digital content 
cannot disciple you. When we are being discipled more by YouTube or Instagram or a podcast than we are by the embodied church or by the physical Bible in our hands, then we are left wide open to deception. Because what happens for us, you see, is that as soon as we're isolated, as soon as we're going about it on our own, what ends up happening is that we end up in our own echo chamber, don't we, where we hear the information that confirms what we've already been thinking. That's why we need to be around one another, rubbing up against one another, actually sharing ideas, reading scripture together, as well as personally, wrestling through those things together so that um, we can admonish one another and encourage one another and stir one another up in our following and our pursuit for discernment and to follow the will and the purposes of God together. I have to say, and I, I'm speaking for Adam and Andrew as well, um, uh, without having run it by them, um, but I, I want to say that as pastors, it is so encouraging for us when you come and seek counsel. And that's not because we hold all the answers. We are mere human beings too. We don't have some special hotline to God. But the very act of coming and seeking counsel demonstrates maturity Wisdom and discernment, and God honours that. So what I want to say to you this morning is validate the truth in the context of the community that God has placed you in. Trust him to work through your leaders and your pastors and your brothers and sisters in Christ as we all pursue together to run after him and to grab a hold of his truth. There are definitely challenges for us living in this information age, challenges that make it harder to cut through and hear the voice of our God and to pursue his wisdom and discernment. But what I want to remind us of this morning is that today we can choose afresh to pursue him, to grow in discernment and to position ourselves in the best place possible so that we can hear what it is that he has to say to us. So let me read Romans 2 verses, sorry, chapter 12, verses 1 to 2 again, this time in the message paraphrase. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. 
and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God wants the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Can I pray for us this morning? Father, it's not hard for us to see the problems that there are and what we face, Lord, in the culture and the information age that we live in as we seek, God, to be people who want to be discerning and to be able to hear your one true voice above the cacophony of noise around us. Lord, first and foremost, we remember this morning and present ourselves again, really, as a living sacrifice, to use Paul's words, holy before you, Lord, to say, Lord, that not our way but your way, God, not our self-determination of truth and lies, God, but yours, Lord, not our self-determination of what is right and wrong, but yours, God. Father, as we, we see throughout scripture, we come to you this morning and we ask for wisdom and discernment in our lives. We ask, God, that you would help us to filter out and to slow down in what we are consuming Lord, we ask you to give us wisdom and discernment, God, to know truth and to recognise it and to recognise the lies, Lord. We ask, Father, that you would continue to grow us in community, one to another, God, that you would help us to come alongside one another, Lord, as we grow in discernment and spiritual maturity together. Lord, we ask that you would have your way in us, Lord. And Father, where we have been unwise in our consumption of information, I thank you, God, that you are faithful and quick to forgive us. You are quick, God, with practical strategies and ways, Lord, for us to learn and grow. And so this morning, Father, I pray that um, we would be receptive to the prompting and the correction of your Holy Spirit in our lives, that God, um, if we've been consuming other content more than your word, Lord, would you help us, would you refresh for us ways to get into scripture, to read your word, Lord? Would you increase in us again, God, a hunger for you and for your ways and for your word, Lord. Would you help by your Holy Spirit to bring it to life for us? Thank you, Father, that you are faithful to us. Strengthen us, Lord. Strengthen us as your people. that we would hear your voice clearly, Lord, and that we would follow you. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen.